and welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie and I'm going to be reading your story today. Good morning, I'm Sophie. I'm going to be listening alongside you guys and having a great time with Gross Steve. Gross Steve. We're still we're, on Gross we're Steve. We're still sticking with Gross Steve. Um, <gasps> this is going to be part two mm. of Susan Cox Powell. I've got some more gross shit to talk about. Yay. Um... Yeah, so let's just get right into it because we don't have sponsors. We don't, we don't. No, no ads, no. <laughs> so nothing. last week we talked about Susan's life, her marriage, and the family that she married into. She was last seen on the 6th of December 2009 by her friend and neighbour Giovanna Owings, retiring to bed early because she suddenly felt extremely tired. Oh, after these pancakes. After the pancakes. Okay. So she'd been made a pancake dinner by her husband, and witnesses, family, and friends cannot overemphasize how unusual it was for Josh to do anything nice for Susan, mm. much less something which required some kind of effort on his part. As a matter of fact, after Susan was realized to be missing, mm. her dad Chuck had a hard time with the news that his son-in-law had made her dinner. Instead of finding the gesture loving, mm. he found it to be extremely suspicious. Yeah, it's it's coming back to me in bits now what we talked about last yeah. time. Yeah, so... And this was definitely out of character for him. Oh, for it sure. It was immediately suspicious. Yeah, immediately. So, in an interview with the Daily Mail, Chuck says, quote, When I heard that Josh had fixed them pancakes for dinner and put the pancakes on each person's plate, and then cleaned up the dishes immediately afterwards, I mean, I just get chills down my back. I've seen how he treated her in the house. I've seen how much he cares to help with dishes or cooking or anything. That was so out of character that it was just, that was scary, end quote. Oh, so the f- mundane thing. It's such a normal, a red flag, standard thing, and for yeah. that to be a huge red flag, you can see that's just a massive tell into how Josh behaved in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, um, it's yeah, and the fact that that nice, kind gesture gave Chuck so much distress. It kicked well. in that dad instinct of something is wrong. Here. Yeah, that's not not you- that's a good son in law. It's no, he's up to something awful. It's pretty horrific. It's really um, I've still got like my sleep voice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording in the morning. Um, yes, it's it's a morning. So we're episode. recording in the morning. It's a morning episode. We've just made coffee. We've just made coffee. I've got a hot chocolate because coffee is for grown ups. You're not a fan of coffee. It's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much. I like a cup of hot chocolate. I'm a hot chocolate kind of gal. I yeah. know what I like. You're hot choggy in the morning and you're good to go. I'm good to go. We are so, not the same. This is not... probably the only thing we're <laughs> We are have. not the same. I need that fucking caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Back on track. Yes. Apart from Chuck, there's plenty of other people who can attest that their marriage was not in a healthy place. But mm-hmm. to hear f- that from her dad yeah, is, it's, it's is pretty horrifying. Yeah. I can't imagine being in a situation where people would get suspicious if David cooked me pancakes. I was just thinking that, like, yeah. if Dad was like, "Why is he cooked our sweet Charlotte Charlie pancakes?" I'd be like, "Well, duh, because they're married." But yeah, if David was like this, I would also be concerned. But that's the reality that like, Susan was scary. living in. Yeah, and it's been said time and time again. But the most dangerous time for anyone in an abusive relationship is when they try to leave. Mm-hmm. And Susan was in talks with a divorce lawyer. She had been documenting her abuse for over a year. Susan was getting closer to escaping her dominating and controlling husband and taking the boys with her. Good honour for doing that. Yeah. And still so proud. But Josh couldn't have that. He couldn't have anyone take away his children, who, of course, were an extension of himself. In the same way that gross Steve couldn't have Terry take away his children, 
They belonged to him. Well, the thing is, for me, these children are also an extension of Susan, so he'll want that control over them as well. Yeah, oh yeah, and as well, to top it all off, he knows that Susan basically lives just for her sons. Yeah. Like, Susan lives for them, and it's the same way that Gross Steve wanted to take the children away from Terry, not because he wanted to be a dad, but because Mm -hmm. he knew that Terry wanted to have those kids. So he's like, I want to make her miserable. And his disgusting son is doing exactly the same thing. And given that these people, okay, these two men, see women and children as animals, they They see them as animals, animals. they see them as property. They see something that makes these animals happy. No, they can't have that. Exactly, Because they've not got the permission to do that. We know what Susan was doing in the run-up to her sudden vanishing, because mm-hmm. we talked about it last time. Yeah. But what about Josh? So let's rewind a little to November. Yeah, hold on. What? So I've got some info here. Ooh. So while Susan was feeling nauseous and wondering if she was pregnant, because you remember? She, in the last few weeks, so from sort of November time up until she went missing on the 7th of December, she was just feeling sick constantly and she thought yeah. she was pregnant. Oh, yes. So do you remember she was feeling sick and she was mm-hmm. feeling tired? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. So while she was having that weird illness, Josh was shopping. What kind of shopping? He wanted something specific. Oh, he no. had a lot of tools already, obviously. Oh. We know he had a lot of tools and no. like gadget collections and shit. Mm-hmm. But he was looking for something that could cut through steel. Nope. That's that's code word for bones, Charlie. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. It's... He has plans. And yeah. they're not good. Oh. They're not nice. Josh. I don't like this. Josh keeps journals. He's a planner. He if is, He'd yeah. be one of those, like, planstagrams. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, on, on, like... He'd be flooding the spam, the the hashtags of, like, everything. Yeah, oh, Books he would Instagram, be... Instagram. Yeah. Food Instagram. Yeah. No, 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 Instagram, but, I mean, he would have, everything. like, a planstagram account with, like, flat layers. Yeah. Like, oh, that. You know yeah, what I mean? Would, yeah. Except his wouldn't be, like, cute and yeah, aesthetic. His would just be a disaster. And full of his dad's singing. Ugh, disgusting. So, mm. on the 25th of November, he visited an air gas store, which is, like, a hardware store, but it's just for tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked the staff working there for a setup that could cut through solid steel. And he was really specific with these staff members, because they, they, after all of this stuff went down... Yeah. They came to the police and were like, hey, yeah, we saw this dude and he was being really fucking weird. And he was on and on and on about how he needed something that could cut through solid steel. Wow. Okay. So the staff showed him a torch with canisters and connecting hoses that should do the job because okay. they have a lot of work people going in there yeah. who do stuff for a living where they need to be able to cut through things. And they know how to use these tools already. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, according to staff members who later relayed all of this to the police, Josh was the kind of guy who didn't think twice about inconveniencing people past closing time. Oh, one because of those past the time he paid, the store had been closed thirty minutes already. Well, this dribble killer can go to hell right now. Yeah, because yeah. I've yeah, worked. I worked retail yeah. for for <laughs> years, and yeah. I hated these people. We've we've seen the worst of these. Yeah, people. we've both done like these kinds of jobs, and yeah. these people fucking suck. They're so shallow and ridiculous, and fuck you all. I yeah. can say it now. I'm out of there. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are shit. So anyway, <laughs> getting us back on track again. Josh is a fucking idiot and he couldn't figure out how to connect the hose. So he assumed that the people in air gas sold him the wrong hoses. He went to Lowe's, which is another hardware store, Mm -hmm. and he harassed the people who were working there as well about which were the fittings that he needed. So he's got more witnesses. Mm -hmm. He kept them half an hour after closing too. 
as well as buying a large bucket to fill a newly purchased rug doctor. Sure. Which is obviously, for those that don't know, mm-hmm. I don't think... Do we have rug doctors in England? We do, yeah. Do we actually? Oh, okay. Yeah, you can rent them. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, it's just like upholstery cleaners, so to clean mm-hmm. all your sofas and They, they look relatively heavy-duty, though. They're quite cool. Have you seen one in real life? I don't think I have. Quite big. Oh, okay, then. So, like, but yeah, it's big. meant for, like, cleaning. They're bigger than your shop. Charlie has like a shark. I have a shark <laughs> and it's really cool and I just refer to it as my shark. It lights up on the floor. Anyway. Anyway. You started this. I, <laughs> maybe I did. I don't remember. Back to the crime. We do know that Josh had thousands of dollars worth of tools at home already. He did. Why on earth, just a couple of weeks before his wife would vanish forever, would Josh need a setup specifically made to cut through half an inch of solid steel and a rug doctor? Forgetting carpets sparkling clean when he never wanted to do any cleaning. No. And on top of that, you don't cut steel over carpet. It's not concrete. I know he's not going to be doing that. I was about to say. <laughs> but if he's putting on this front, it's not one that's even plausible. It's not concrete evidence, but it is one heck of a coincidence, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. After all of this had taken place, and Susan's mysterious weeks-long illness, the morning of the 7th of December, 2009, had dawned. The Powell house was empty. Oh, I feel sick hearing that. Got chills. Neither of the boys showed up at daycare, and the lady who ran the daycare was concerned. If you remember from last time, this lady, Debbie Caldwell, was friends with Susan and would often drop Charlie and Brayden off at home and even pick up Susan from work because Josh didn't want to do it himself. As much as Susan didn't get a lot of help from Josh with the boys, she always made sure they got to daycare in the morning no matter what. This Debbie's an angel. Debbie's an angel. She's so damn supportive. I'm so grateful. Susan also didn't turn up at work. Susan was very diligent and worked extremely hard, so this was out of the ordinary for her. Mm. Obviously, she was missed straight away. Debbie tried calling Josh and Susan's mobile phones, but neither of them picked up their calls. After a few failed attempts, she calls Josh's mother and sister Jennifer, who are listed as emergency contacts at the daycare. So she calls them and tells them that the whole family is unreachable. So Terry and Jenny obviously try calling them both as well. Mm. Neither of them can get through and they start to worry. They hopped in the car straight away and began the drive to Susan and Josh's house, which is only about 15 minutes away from where Jennifer lives, because remember, they all moved moved out to Utah. Mm. Um, While they were on the way, Terry called the police, as they were worried about a potential carbon monoxide... Carbon monoxide? Carbon (laughs) monoxide. (laughs) They were worried about a potential carbon monoxide poisoning, because apparently the furnace in the powerhouse wasn't very good. So the furnace was a little bit dodgy, and they were worried that something could have it's happened out, yeah. yeah um and obviously carbon monoxide poisoning is very fucking dangerous um it's very serious mm-hmm. so that's what they were thinking mm-hmm. they were worried about that that's, that's so jenny and terry reached the house before the police officers got there and they weren't able to get inside because all the doors and windows were locked there were no signs of people through any of the windows so they looked through the windows couldn't yeah. really make out a whole lot and there were no responses to calling out or banging on the door that's scary two officers arrived at the house at 10 past two in the morning so they also tried calling out and knocking on the doors and windows as well but just like terry and jenny there were no responses to that the police noticed that a large window in the garage was covered with a blanket and they also realized that all the windows to the house itself were covered by either curtains or blinds the curtains in the living room were swaying gently 
just like there was a breeze oh. and this worried the people in attendance more that it could be carbon monoxide gas leaking somewhere inside the house so mm. they saw the swaying curtain and thought oh shit there might actually the be a gas leak yeah. yeah um so the minutes ticked over and by the time it got to eleven thirty nine a.m so they were there for an hour and 40 i just want to say they she didn't turn up for work that morning yeah so it's then been the... all day and then well, past midnight the police are there no so um on the 6th of december mm-hmm. josh made susan pancakes right she went to bed at five o'clock because she suddenly felt incredibly tired yeah she went to bed mm-hmm. nobody knows what happened that evening right in the morning kids don't show up at daycare josh right. and susan don't show up at work right um sister and mum call the police yeah the police get there at 10 o'clock in the morning right 10 in the morning okay yeah Yeah. and then they when it's 20 to 12 so an hour and a half after that yeah the police had exhausted all their options short of breaking into the house so that's exactly what they did okay cool the officers broke a small window and entered the premises and discovered that fortunately there was no carbon monoxide leak. That's a relief. So That's good. that was one worry that was now crossed out. Mm. They didn't have to worry about that anymore. The air mm. levels were completely normal and the curtain blowing at the window was just a normal standard fan that had been left on. Oh. So, mm. no worry there. No. Although, mm. it wasn't just a fan. It was two fans. I thought so. <laughs> and they hadn't been left on by accident, but they no. were clearly aimed at wet spots on the carpet and on the sofa. Mm. These areas had obviously been scrubbed clean and been left soaking wet. Someone was obviously trying to dry them out before anyone else came to visit. That's not how you use a rub, Dr. Charlie. That is, I mean, I've never I'm pretty used... sure they have drying functions. Do they? Yeah. Maybe they didn't in, like, 2009? Maybe not. I'll, I'll give benefit of the doubt to the rub doctors. And Josh, who may not know how to work these things. It's true. Because he's actually stupid. So, the police officers were able to clear the house, and the only strange thing they noticed, apart from the fans, was that the couple's car was not in the garage. They left... No. They let (laughs) Terry and Jenny... I can't read. (laughs) They let Terry and Jenny come into the property, so then they could have a look around and see if they could spot anything unusual. And as soon as as she walked in, Jenny felt an overwhelming sense of dread. She just knew immediately that something was wrong. Speaking to Dave Corley of Cold, she said, quote, While I was at the house, I'd had this overwhelming feeling that he'd done something to her already. Because I'd seen her purse there, I'd gone through it. Her driver's license, her Sam's Club card, her temple recommend, they were all in the purse. Why would she walk away without that? You know, that just seemed like a very abnormal thing for her to do, for any significant length of time, end quote. The first thing Mm. that Jennifer did was call Susan's dad Chuck. She knew Susan and she knew Josh and something in her gut was telling her that something was very badly wrong. Sometimes you just know when something isn't right. Absolutely. I think that sense of intuition Mm -hmm. is a very real, serious thing. I think a lot of people think that that sort of sixth sense is a supernatural, Mm. paranormal thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's to do with evolution. I completely agree with so that. So I think that, you know, I mean, humans haven't really been around for that long, if no, you think about it. And as a species. Exactly. And when we were sort of living in, in the wilderness, mm-hmm. that sense of something is wrong 
Yeah. It could be because your senses, like your hearing or your sense of smell, had picked up maybe like a predator or something nearby. Yeah. And that's your brain telling you something is going to eat you. So mm-hmm. while we've evolved to the point where we can build cars, yeah, it's not necessary for us. We don't to have need that. that sense anymore, but that doesn't mean that it's evolved out of us. Mm-hmm. I think it's still we still got it. We've, we've still got it, and so yeah. So for her to to notice things right away, her brain was telling her something is fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very serious, and as well, like you can sometimes tell when someone's watching you. Yeah. It's that feeling of being it's watched. Same, and I like, think that is left over from when we were potentially hunted by mm-hmm. predators. I think that's, that's very interesting. Anyway, I completely derailed the conversation there. <laughs> Sorry. So both Susan and Josh's workplaces confirmed that neither of them had shown up or called in to report an absence. Mm. The police checked to see if the car had been reported in any accidents because they thought maybe there was a crash or something okay. and that's why they've that they're in hospital or something. Yeah. Or if any of the members had been admitted to nearby hospitals nothing there was just nothing coming up no matter what avenue they went down it was just empty with absolutely nothing to go on the responding officers called in a detective this ended up being detective ellis maxwell who has are you all right (laughs) sorry i was i was sipping my coffee like very quietly and she said a detective and i kind of lost it I got my coffee up my nose, but go on, continue. Anyway, so Detective Ellis Maxwell, Mm -hmm. he's dedicated a lot of his life to this case, and he's also spent a lot of time telling it to the public in the years following. So a lot of the information that we have in this episode is from the interviews with Detective Maxwell in various like pieces of media. Yeah, and you can tell if you ever listen to any interviews with him speaking on YouTube, I recommend you look up some of his stuff. Mm. You can tell that it still means a lot to him when he's talking about it. Like, this case, it took a lot of his time and energy. Yeah, And it's now a part of who he is. And hearing about another human going through this, you're going to get attached to it. Exactly. So the first thing that Detective Maxwell noticed when he got to the Powers property was the fans. The Mm. setup to him was clearly very deliberate, and the two areas were still wet. Mm. In addition to the damp sofa, there was also a love seat in the room, so like a little two-seater sofa. Yeah. The love seat wasn't wet and it wasn't clean either. Oh. So Maxwell noted there was no signs, like no obvious signs anyway of a struggle and no indication of any kind of break-in or violent fight. So it's not like there was shit everywhere yeah. in like a struggle kind of way. It mm. looked normal. Yeah. And only one sofa was clean. The other, It's not as if Josh felt like cleaning the upholstery. <laughs> it was a very specific it wasn't spontaneous spring cleaning yeah it was a very this is being this specific thing is being cleaned oh that's not good maxwell moved I'm through nervous. the property and he also noticed susan's purse sitting out just like jennifer did mm-hmm. all of her jewelry was present um there wasn't like it wasn't like all her stuff had been taken yeah the chances yeah. of a robbery being a motive were quickly dwindling down to zero sure. in the master bedroom there were a vacuum cleaner and a steam cleaner in the middle of the room on the floor Maxwell called dispatch to have them put all members of the missing Powell household onto their NCIC, which is a system used by police officers all over America to share information about cases. So when someone goes on that, it means that if anyone sees those people or flags that car, it gets put back onto the system and the detective who put it on the system will be notified that they've been spotted in such and such an area. Do you know what NCIC stands for? Um, I didn't write it down because I'm a dingus. I think it's the National... Crime? National Crime Information Centre? Oh, I've not got my phone. Oh, that sounds groovy. No, I don't think it's (laughs) National Case Information Centre, National 
fuck, I can't Unless remember. This is national. That's yeah, it's it's, it's a really cool thing. I just I'm a dingus. <laughs> so others were beginning to arrive at the house mm. because the police cars had drawn some attention, and this is oh, like small so town you mean, like, Utah. Media by others. Not media yet, just locals. Ooh, okay. So Susan's friend and neighbour, Kirsty Halliwell, who we mentioned in the last episode, mm-hmm. who Susan actually talked a lot to about yeah. her shitty marriage. So she was keen to talk to Detective Maxwell. Oh, she good. was like finding the most authority in the yeah. situation and she was like, I need to talk Get to you. Here. Yeah. Um, so she spoke to Maxwell about what she knew about the state of Josh and Susan's marriage. And she did not hold back in Thank telling him God. that Josh yes. was a, was controlling both financially and emotionally and that she was verbally abused at home. Mm. There was a lot to process and Ellis Maxwell went back to his patrol unit to make some calls. Because he had to, he was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I need to call some people. I need, I need to get some shit up. done. Yeah. yeah. He had to speak with both sets of parents and Debbie at daycare to pinpoint the last time Susan and Josh were seen. This is where Giovanna Owings comes back into things. Because if you remember, she saw Susan right before her early night the day before. After Giovanna went home, she saw Josh load the boys into their car and drive off about half an hour after Susan went upstairs for a lie down. So that's about 5.30. Having heard about the missing Powells, because she saw a crowd gathering outside their house, so she ventured over to the police car to talk to Maxwell. Her story gets even more interesting from here. What do you mean by interesting? You'll, you'll see. Oh so she called Josh in the afternoon of the 7th. After she saw all the police cars and shit, yeah. this is before she went to talk to Detective Maxwell, she saw right. all the stuff going on and was like, wow, what the fuck's going on? So mm-hmm. she called Josh's mobile phone. Right. On the afternoon of the 7th, when everyone and their moms was trying to get hold of him, mm-hmm. the phone rang out. He did not answer. However... Her teenage son sometimes babysat Charlie and Brayden. And he also had Josh's phone number. So her son Alex tried calling him and Josh answered. No. Yes. Oh, we love an idiot. answered the phone. Good. Alex, bless him, being a teenager, got nervous and hung up immediately. He was like, oh, and then hung up. His flustered mum asked him, call straight back, call back. (laughs) She was like, what the fuck are you doing? Call back. Which he did, because he's a good boy. Yeah. And Josh picked up again at two minutes past three. So this is two minutes past three in the afternoon now. immediately. Hmm? It's like he's holding that phone waiting for calls to come through and just yeah. watching them. Well, he was like ignoring everyone's calls. Yeah, they were just exactly. ringing out. And he's probably just or going straight to voicemail. Yeah. So Giovanna said of this conversation to Dave Corley, because mm. Dave Corley found Giovanna Owings and he was like, hey, do you want to talk about this? Yeah. So she said, I said, Josh, where are you? Everyone's worried. Nobody's seen Susan. They say she didn't go to work. You need to get home. And so he said that he was out south and will be home soon. I was just like, okay, whatever. We hung up and that was that. That's that's fair. Yeah, so she went to tell um, Detective Maxwell about this. She mm-hmm. was like, hey, I just spoke to Josh. And yeah. Maxwell was like, what the fuck? Can they locate a pain? Or does it... This comes later. Oh, no. I want you to have know to, now. No, you have to wait. <laughs> we need to know about this double killer's pain. We need to wait. I will wait. There are some ideas that Josh answered this call by accident. And once he'd picked up the first call, he could no longer hide behind whatever excuses he had for answering his phone. Yeah. So once true. he answered it, he's like, fuck. And then he's like, now I have to answer my fucking phone. Yeah. A couple of hours after picking up this call, he mm-hmm. finally called his frantically worried sister, Jennifer. This mm-hmm. was around half five. Oh, 
I could not make you wait He literally long. waited hours and no. Josh was about as forthcoming and helpful as usual. <laughs> so, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, basically. Instead of telling her where he was, he tried to bullshit her by saying he was at work. I don't have time for this. <laughs> he literally said that he was so at work. Dumb. He literally said that he brought his sons to work. Jennifer was like, what? this is a huge lie. Everyone's been in touch with your work all day. Yeah. And you never showed up. He then changed his mind. Okay. And said that he took his son's camping. As far as Susan was concerned... Oh, she must be at work. Oh, oh yeah, she's doing... Jennifer informed him Susan wasn't at work. No. Josh said that in that case he has no idea. And then he asked her, What do you know? (laughs) If that's not ominous, I don't know what is. Exactly. Jesus. So Jennifer felt her fucking hair stand up. Oh, she's at work. Oh, she's doing this. Oh, must be doing that. Don't ask me. Bye. That's he's just. But like all of that, and then he's like, "What do you know?" Mm, That I hate it. That you don't want to hear that. So Jennifer said, "Get worse." Quote. Mm. So that feeling had just come over me while I was at the house, and when he called that night, it was so disturbing. Mm. disturbing to talk to him and realise that that premonition was actually valid. End quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as soon as she spoke to him, she was like, shit. <laughs> so because Jennifer is continuously a bad bitch, she was able to talk her stupid brother into coming home, Thank bringing God. the children with him. Oh, good. good she good. and Detective Maxwell headed to the house again and they waited for him to show up. But his car didn't turn the corner. This time, Detective Maxwell called him and informed Josh who he was and that there was a significant police presence at his home. Josh seemed to not give a shit. It was weird. Mm. Maxwell thinks it was weird. Yeah. Josh seemed to just not care that there were police at his home asking about where his wife was. I feel as though if any normal person who was innocent of making their wife disappear Mm -hmm. was in this situation... They would be freaking out. You'd be in bits. You'd be breaking the speed limits to get home. You would. I would be deflating my tyres by accident. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Instead, Josh, while on the phone to the detective, interrupts Detective Maxwell to shout back at his children in the car and oh ask God. them what they want to get to eat. Mm, okay. He's like, should we get pizza or maybe we should get hamburgers? He tells Maxwell that before he comes home, he needs to feed his kids. Maxwell is astounded. That's also unusual for him. He, yeah, he doesn't normally give a shit about feeding his kids. He doesn't let his kids have half a hot dog each or a yeah. or whatever. Yeah, he makes them have half each. And they're having whole meals. Yeah. Okay. Maxwell is astounded. He tells Josh, quote, no, you need to come home right now, yeah. end quote. It was 20 to 7 by the time Josh got home. He completely ignored Maxwell's instructions to not stop on the way, and it turns out that he had stopped at a Little Caesar and had pizza for dinner. He's literally... Another meal for one. Oh my god. These fucking guys. These fucking guys. It's... it's. Yeah. I hate this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Maxwell demanded to know why Josh hadn't been answering phone calls, and Josh said that he turned his phone off to save battery life because he didn't have his phone charger. Maxwell could literally see a phone charger plugged into the console of his car. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this guy can't get any more stupid. He is so fucking dumb. He doesn't have any brain. He doesn't. But yeah, 
Yet he, he manages to be so evasive and slippery. Yeah. It's because he has no brain, but he's so narcissistic he's still... and evil. Yeah. And like, he is so he is desperate himself. to work himself out of anything. Mm-hmm. He uses he puts all of his energy into it and nothing else. Yeah. He needs to stop. So Josh, this kind of reminds me of Casey Anthony. Yeah, where he's because just lying. He's just lying. Even when lies. things are really obvious, mm-hmm. he's like, no, this isn't it. Yeah. And it's like, it reminds me of like Casey Anthony walking through Universal Studios. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'll show you where my manager is. You know, yeah, and they just walk around for ages. But it's yeah. this kind of... It's that wasting time as well. It's They're all the same. They just yeah. tell the most bold-faced lies mm-hmm. and expect people not to question it because whatever yeah. they've said must be correct. They because assume that they're just going to be. They believed. assume that they're the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. so anything they say is just going to be taken as absolute truth. And yeah, no. um, but not wanting to give Josh another reason to fuck around, Maxwell told Josh to go to the police station right there and then to talk. Ooh. This is where things get frustrating. Something that bothers me the most out yeah. of almost everything in this case is Josh's flat affect and how he just doesn't care mm-hmm. that this whole thing. Is a massive inconvenience to him. Yeah, he just he have not heard. Um, I fuck. He's not said once. Where's my wife? Is she okay? Do you yeah. know anything? What is it? Yeah, he, and he he's never nothing. asks that. No, he doesn't care. He's just I don't know what to have for dinner. Yeah, like, it's just he doesn't give a shit. So when he gets to the police station, he mm-hmm. keeps insisting that Susan must be at work, and that if she wasn't, then he didn't mm. know. You can practically. You can, in the audio for this interview, you can almost hear him nonchalantly shrugging. Hold on, is this the guy that when he's in the interrogation room, whatever, with the beanie hat on? Yeah. He looks like an idiot. Yeah, but that's that's the next day. Yeah. So this interview, there's no Mm. video, but there is audio. Okay. And yeah, he's just, whatever. According to the tape conversation, Josh said Uh that he last saw Susan the night before, but he couldn't remember what she was wearing. Apparently, after Giovanna left, he stayed in for a while, contrary to what Giovanna said about him taking the kids out straight away. Right. He took his eldest son, Charlie, sledding mid-evening and came home around 8pm. The boys went to bed after Josh read Charlie a book. I don't know about you, but Josh doesn't seem like read a book to his kids type of dad. Yeah, or let's go sledding in the night type. Let's do that <sighs> in the day where you can see. According to Josh, Susan then woke up and gave him a chore to do. At 10pm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. On a Sunday night. This is bullshit. A chore. That's not right. He told Detective Maxwell that Susan demanded he clean the couch with the rock doctor and put the fans on it. No, she didn't. No, no she one didn't. fucking does <laughs> no, that. No, she didn't. <laughs> hey, husband, wake up and clean the sofa I mean, with the rock doctor. that's just so unbelievable. Josh hated cleaning and he hated being told what to do. What are the chances of him spending his late Sunday night being told what to clean by his wife? No, you're watching the Super Bowl. But like... Or talking with your friends if you've got any. He doesn't have any of that. He does not. He's just, ha- he's just got his tape recorded. Maxwell wanted to know about the camping trip. Good, because that's full of questions. Josh was evasive, and all of his answers were various iterations of, I don't remember. The story that he managed to fart out was that he <laughs> drove his sons. That is absolutely Josh. He's, he's little fart. He'd driven his sons 20 miles down the Pony Express, which is a long camping trail in Utah. So, living in England, mm-hmm. it's hard for you and I to imagine the size of it. 
But Utah is massive, and yeah. there's a lot of desert, okay. wilderness, and just space. Oh, okay. The Pony Express Trail is massive, and apparently that's where they were that night. The frustrating thing is that Maxwell didn't have any actual evidence that her crime had taken place. Yeah. Much less that Josh was the culprit of such a crime. Like, if anything we're seeing is the the cleanup of something, but we don't know specifically yeah, what. Yeah, exactly. It could be anything. But there's no evidence that a crime has happened mm-hmm. at this point. He couldn't, yeah. he literally, legally couldn't arrest him. And in order to get Josh to come in and talk to him, mm-hmm. he needed to keep things pleasant. And it's frustrating because he doesn't know all this backstory that we're knowing now. He knows little bits from the neighbours. Yeah, he knows bits, he, but Yeah, not... but he doesn't know all of this yeah. stuff. I cannot imagine how difficult it must have been to be nice to this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the while, Josh was repeating that Susan would have gone to work. At one point in the interview, and I've heard this, Maxwell just says, quote, she didn't go to work, dude. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I just fucking love it. Remind me, did they have one car at this point? Yeah, one so, car. So, how has she gone to work? Exactly. And exactly, come back. Exactly. And then she went to work again and then disappeared? I don't know, but... she wanted to disappear at work away from Josh? Mate, she didn't go to work. I she didn't go to work, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I just fucking love it. I don't know how he dealt with this guy without reaching across the table and putting his hands around his fucking neck. I would have... Yeah, I, it would be so tempting. Because so all he needs to do is just be honest and stop fucking around wasting time. Every time the line of questioning circled back to the camping trip, Mm. Josh would become even more vague than usual and noticeably evasive. Mm. He simply couldn't remember exactly where he'd gone Mm. or if he made any stops or how far they drove in certain directions. This is maybe the last time I'll ask about this. Can you check for any pings? I would get (laughs) pings. But you have to remember that during a lot of... During this point... Yeah. Remember, while they were out driving, mm-hmm. nobody could reach him. His phone, he said that his phone was turned off. He turned right. it off, I'm doing the air quotes, to yeah. save the battery life, even though he had a charger. Oh, yeah. So he clearly didn't turn it off to save the battery life. He no. turned it off because Josh Powell knows enough about technology to know that he can be tracked. True. Yeah, he turned okay. his phone off. There aren't any pings. Yeah. Because okay. he knew that pinging was a thing. Yeah. Interestingly, According to Josh, Mm -hmm. he had a wonderful marriage. Good for him. That's a lie. He and Susan hardly ever argued. Yeah, because he controlled her into not arguing. Exactly. After a little prodding, the slimy little man revealed that he and Susan had been going to counselling, but said the reason they were going to counselling was because Susan had a temper. So if he's just blinking, (sighs) like... Fuck this guy. (laughs) He's like, I'm a saying it's the wife's fault. She disappeared at work. Don't look at me. Yeah, look at her. It's her fault. It's her fault. She Except don't look too hard because you'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, Josh smart. couldn't even name anyone that Susan was friends with. <laughs> That's cringy. Yeah. That so good. so Maxwell asked Josh, "Give me the names of her best friends so that I can get in touch with them." And Josh oh, was God. like, "I don't know." That is not. And how he you was like, to and, get them off your "Exactly." Back. And Jesus. he was like, "Oh, the daycare lady." What? <laughs> so I mean, the thing is, Josh was friends with Debbie Caldwell. She also had a lot of other friends, mm. um, but the only reason that Josh knew to say Debbie Caldwell mm. was because, I think, it's that whole, oh, it's meant to do with the kids because Susan doesn't have any other life or identity apart mm. from her being a mom. Yeah. So he just thought, oh, daycare, whatever. That's away from me. That's a yeah. separate building. 
it must be over there. I Go just fucking there. hate him so much. Unfortunately for Josh, Susan did have friends. And they had already told Maxwell what a shitty and abusive husband he was. Good. So Maxwell knew that yeah. this little man was a terrible piece of shit. Yeah. The same day, December 7th. So this is all still the same day. God, it's a long a fucking a day. day. It's a yeah. long day. Okay, so same day. So Ellis Maxwell asked if he could search Josh's minivan. Mm. Josh immediately became already more skittish than he was before. Oh, interesting. He was stammering a lot and hesitating. He didn't want to let Maxwell in his van. But he realised that if he doesn't let him in the van, it's going to look really shady. It is. So he's yeah. like, I don't want him in my van. Yeah. But I don't know how to stop him from going and you could mm-hmm. see him having this like internal struggle it's turning over that i'm gonna yeah. have to let him in he eventually mm-hmm. signed the consent form but with a stipulation that if he changed his mind maxwell would stop at any time because this is what innocent people do guys yeah would you like to know what was in the minivan i'd love to know actually so in the back of the minivan Your face maybe i don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> in the back of the minivan they found a huge blue plastic tarp spread out over the floor in the back. Oh, goody. We love a tarp in a not-murder case at all. In a not-murder van. <laughs> so they found a huge blue plastic tarp spread out over the floor in the back. There were tools for digging, a shovel and a broom. There was also a tote bag full of unused, still-sealed camping equipment. So if he indeed did take his son's camping and they actually did camping, mm. he didn't use any of this equipment. He was teaching them how to dig through snow. There was a lot of equipment. Mm-hmm. It was like just like little packets full of camping shit that had never been used. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's just weird, man. There was also an electrical course. circular saw. No, 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 no. I went to sip my coffee. I put it straight. <laughs> yeah, she picked down. up a coffee cup and then she just put it straight <laughs> back down. <laughs> like, no, I don't want That's this. That's always the worst. It, it, I don't know how this Maxwell guy felt seeing that, but it's never. I'm not finished. Never. I'm sorry. You're like, yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) I drink my coffee, you know. You can drink your coffee in a second. There was also an extension cable, a handsaw, and a box cutter. Finally, there was a five-gallon gas canister and a gas-powered generator, which essentially means that he had a fully Mm. working setup for an electrically-powered tools that he could take into the wilderness. So he was able to use all of these electric tools remotely wherever he needed to. Yeah, miles for, away for with any, his phone off. Miles away with his phone off in the dark when no one could hear, I don't know, a circular saw cutting through bone. Mm-hmm. No one would be able to hear it apart from his children, which would probably traumatise forever. Yeah. Anyway, the back seats and front passenger seats were cluttered and full of shit. There was children's clothing, there was a quilt from a large bed and half-eaten food. Yeah. But the last thing that Detective Maxwell noticed was also the most important discovery. At least from the van, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in this particular model of minivan, as in most cars, there's a centre console with a little tray where you can put things like spare change, a snack, whatever. You, oh, okay. you know, in between the yeah. two seats at the front. Mm-hmm. But it was empty. However. 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 Detective Maxwell lifted this tray and oh. there was a little hidden compartment underneath Ooh. that held a phone. Oh. Oh, no. oh, oh wait, no, I'm thinking of the wrong keys with the second phone. Sorry. A pink Motorola phone. Oh, no. It was Susan's oh, phone. Oh, fuck, it's still her phone. Oh, no. It oh. was Susan's phone. God, that would make me... I imagine at this point... this guy. Josh Powell actually crapped his pants. I hope he peed himself. Detective Maxwell calmly asked Josh, quote, Why do you have Susan's cell phone? End quote. I hope that gave Josh, Josh chills. Hesitated, 
and stammered his way through an almost incoherent amount of stupid excuses that all culminated in him forgetting it was there. Of course he had no idea. No. It's never his fault. Detective Maxwell obviously can't arrest Josh just because. Yeah. His wife is missing and he has her phone because he's her husband. Yeah. All his stupid bullshit excuses about why Susan's phone is in the minivan. Mm. They could be. We know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we know and Maxwell knows Mm -hmm. something fucking awful has happened here. Yeah. But from a legal perspective, he doesn't want to arrest Josh or do anything that could later be thrown out in court and affect a trial because he's Maxwell is thinking of like the end game. Mm -hmm. What he wants is Josh in prison forever. Yeah. If he does anything in the middle that can like get evidence thrown out, Mm -hmm. that could ruin that whole end game. So he's got to be really careful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he did it. It's Before Josh itself. left, mm-hmm. Maxwell took photographs of Josh's hands. The backs of his hands had several small scratches, like little nicks in the skin. Oh, and I want to put no. photos of this on Instagram. Yeah. So because we've it. got photos of this, and I want to put them online. Yeah, that's good. That evening, word began to spread around Susan's friends that Josh and the boys had come home, and everyone collectively breathed a sigh of relief. Mm. But then they were each told that Susan wasn't there. Yeah. And they all jumped to the same conclusion right away. Oh, I've got Jules in my life. Kirsty Halliwell yeah. asked another one of their neighbours, quote, what did he do? End oh, quote. No. Yeah. At this point, the police seem pretty sure that Josh is a suspicious character. He sure is. The next morning, Josh had another appointment with Detective Maxwell. Bright and early, 9am. Do we Because know Maxwell was... If- sorry. If he is a suspect or just a person of interest at this point. At this point, I'm pretty sure Detective Maxwell thinks that Josh killed his fucking wife. Yeah. But officially, I think he's just a person Mm. of interest. Okay. At this point. Cool. So Detective Maxwell was like, Josh, you need to get here at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. We're going to have another chat. We need to take some statements, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Instead of going to a scheduled police interview, however, Josh got up nice and early and decided to scrub out the back of his minivan. What? Why? (laughs) All of the doors were open and he was having a good clean of the interior, probably the most he'd ever cleaned anything in his whole life. It's probably the day he had to give the rock doctor back. It's probably totally not suspicious at all after your wife goes missing no very reasonable thing to totally do. not suspicious you're innocent Why his sister jennifer that? if you remember correctly she's the only decent one yes. arrived to take care of his sons while he went to the police station you know oh. because he was supposed to be at the police station yeah so she turned up to babysit the boys while mm. he was at the interview yeah however josh had other plans Going to the police was not really that important. What was really important right now for him was faffing around in his house cleaning things. Because once he was done with his car, he went inside his house. Jennifer saw him carrying armfuls of wet rags between the house and the garage. Garage? I said that really weirdly. I was kind of going to say it like garage, like how all the Americans say in their interviews, because Mm -hmm. that's what I've been reading and hearing. But then I say garage because I'm English, so I kind of... Got stuck between them both and said it really weirdly. Okay. I didn't even notice, you know. I fucking noticed. It felt weird, like, in my mouth. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, he was taking armfuls of wet rags between his house and his garage, and he was cleaning various spots around the house and doing laundry. Jennifer actually said in an interview for the Cold Podcast, quote, Mm -hmm. these aren't the kinds of things that people do when they're not guilty, end quote. 
What also baffles me a little bit is that why didn't he just lose a few hours of sleep and do this in the night? He could have been cleaning all night. I mean, we don't know. Maybe. Well, I mean, he... Josh is a massive narcissist. He doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything that he doesn't want to do because what he wants is the most important thing. So if he decides that he needs to clean up all the evidence of murdering his wife, I mean, do a spring clean. If he decides Mm. that doing a spring clean is more important than going to the police station, he will just fob off the police and do what he wants. Yeah. He's very short-term thinking. Yeah, he just thinks about himself. what suits him best. Yeah. Yeah. And it got worse mm. because Josh started asking Jennifer to help him clean things around the house. He started giving her tasks. What the fuck? No. So because she has both a brain and a moral compass, mm-hmm. she felt really uncomfortable about this. Yeah. Because she didn't want to help her dodgy as fuck brother cover up evidence of a serious crime. No, especially when he's due to go to the police. Exactly. Jennifer kind of played along with him because she knew that she'd be more likely to get something out of him if their mm. relationship was good. Mm-hmm. And eventually Josh went to the police station. Oh, as soon as he left, Jennifer called the police to tell them what he'd been doing. Wow. So she's on it straight away. Good, good. So Josh left. Uh He eventually rocked up to the police station about three hours late from when he was supposed to be there. Three hours late. I'm rolling my eyes. That's... An innocent man doesn't do that. Exactly. And it's so frustrating because that's three hours of scrubbing and cleaning potential evidence away that nobody can ever get back. Yeah, that can't be recovered. You can't sort that out. Josh was difficult this morning. I I mean, by now it's probably this afternoon. It sounds like lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. So he discussed with Maxwell about getting his lawyers involved and he was very sniffly and sorry for himself. I've seen the police recording for this and that's the one you were talking about Mm. where he's just dressed in his jeans, his shitty trainers and he's got on like a leather jacket and Mm. he's got his stupid... Has he got a beanie on or has he just got shitty hair? I can't tell. Probably both. And he keeps talking about how worried he is. But he's not worried he's about, about Susan. He's, he's worried about himself. And yeah. he literally says this to the detective. Mm-hmm. He keeps talking about how worried he is for himself and how scared he is for his own future. At no point during <laughs> this interview, at no point does he express any actual concern for Susan. Why does he need reminding that this isn't about him? The whole person but is But this is like his whole to. life is about him. He's a so narcissist. pathetic. Maxwell managed to steer the conversation gradually to the night before last when Susan had vanished without a trace. Josh said that around midnight, he Mm. decided he was taking his two young children out camping. Mm. It was in in the middle of winter. Yeah. In the middle of a snowstorm. The snow and ice was thick on the ground. There was a blizzard going on outside. Wow. That dangerous. Apparently, he said he wanted to make s'mores with his sons and (laughs) use his new gas generator. (laughs) Yeah. According to him, Susan went to bed at about half past midnight and he packed up the car and the children and Susan was fine with it. She She didn't see anything wrong with taking two small children out to the blizzard in the middle of the night. But considering how we know for an absolute fact that Susan cared about her children more than anything else Mm -hmm. in the world, she would never have let them go outside for the night in such dangerous weather. I do not think that at all. That would not have happened. That's very... But according to Josh, Susan was totally on board with it. She even went to bed and was able to go to sleep because she was so content with the arrangement. Wow, what a good wife he's got. Josh said that by the time he packed the van, he was able to set off about 1.30 to 2 o'clock in the morning. How long does it take you to pack that? But like, with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, you're going to go camping at 2 o'clock in the morning in In the snow. (laughs) I feel like even Bear Grylls wouldn't do that. He would not. He's responsible with his, like, natureness. 
But like even but I'm saying like even somebody and he doesn't bring like, anyone else with him. No no no, but what I'm saying is like even someone like Bear Grylls who is famous for being bonkers and yeah. really good at being outside. <laughs> yeah. He's like the best outside guy. And I feel he like is. even he would be like, Why would you do that at two o'clock in the morning, you fucking yeah. idiot? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he drove down the Pony Express chair for about twenty miles. He pulled off at a random campground somewhere along the trail about four AM. They went to sleep. He woke up at about 7am, so that's three hours sleep. They roasted marshmallows in the freezing cold and snow for about four hours. <laughs> then they packed up. They drove around aimlessly for a few more hours until he started to head back home. That sounds super believable and that's exactly what happened. None of that fucking I is what happened. Don't believe None of that is what happened. Thing of that. It's definitely um, nothing to do with him desperately going outside into all weathers because he needs to hide a body. It's definitely nothing yeah. to do with and that. And then we have that, oh shit, I've just committed a crime, drive around for a few hours. Yeah, I mean... It's very typical. We've, I'll get into it later. <laughs> Sorry. Josh also suggests that Susan was suicidal. Oh, of course she was, it's her fault. Yeah, she just happened to be Go suicidal. On, blame. And also, that if they want to... Fu- so, Maxwell was like, where should we look for Susan? Okay. Where should we look? What do you think he said? He probably said... Apart from she's at work. <laughs> he already said... He already said uh she's at work and they were like she's not at work dude no no <laughs> what else did he suggest um maybe she's at the dry cleaners okay so you're not a million miles away oh, so hell. his wife has been missing for a full fucking day yeah she's not got in touch with the kids or anything and max was like where where, where should we look and he says mm. i think you should try looking in beauty supply stores this guy has the mind of the mind of a child. Oh, I'm struggling to wrap my She's head probably, around how insulting that is. That would absolutely like, no. Like interestingly, at no. this point, Josh had collected himself and stopped his sniffling and crying sounds during the three hours of questioning. Yeah. But once Detective mm. Maxwell stepped outside for a break and another officer came in, <laughs> yeah, the waterworks started up again. Oh, okay. When Maxwell came back in the room. He read Josh's rights and told him that the police had warrants to control his house and car and he couldn't go back to either of them. And Josh actually looked as though he pooped himself. Good! So, while the interview was going on, Jennifer Graves was continuing to be a bad bitch. Mm. If you remember from earlier, she had Charlie and Braden while Josh was at the police station. Ah, yeah, she was BBC. She went straight to a police officer and told him that she was worried something was very wrong and that she wasn't on Josh's side. She would do whatever she could to help find Susan. Mm Mm-hmm. At the police's request, Jennifer took the boys to the Children's Justice Centre. There were forensic interviewers there who were specifically trained to be able to interview children, especially ones who are vulnerable or have been through trauma. Charlie was four years old and Brayden was only two. So neither of them are reliable witnesses. And if you've ever spoken to a toddler, they can embellish quite a lot. They can. Nevertheless, Charlie was known to be clever and he noticed a lot. And he had excellent communication skills for someone his age. Yeah, well that's typical of Charlie's, isn't it? Ha ha ha. Oh, you. Gotcha. <laughs> so, Charlie was interviewed by a forensic interviewer named Kim... I think her second name is Welty? W-A-E-L-T-Y. Where am I looking? Here. Ah. Welty? Welty. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Sorry. 
I'll post a screenshot of part of the transcript to this interview to the Mm. Instagram page because it's fascinating. Thank you. Some of the things that Charlie says are obviously not quite true as he says that they got to their camping spot on a plane. But he also has a lot of detail about what they did when they were camping and that doesn't change throughout the whole interview. So some things he says are really specific and he Mm. never changes it. Yeah. So Charlie describes in great detail how mm-hmm. you make a small, that which is adorable. Kids are smart. It's adorable. Like when they have things. Charlie on, also insists good. that his mother came camping with them, but that she stayed behind. Ah, this is behind. unbelievably That's, sinister and sad. And I hate all of it. It's heartbreaking. Charlie describes how his mother stayed behind in the national park where the pretty crystals grow out of the rocks and where the flowers are because she was happy there. I That's fucking like really hate it. it's sad because it's a lovely description, but he doesn't know what he's describing. Exactly. And we do. Exactly. But I'm glad he said that the way he did, because it's, yeah. it's very telling. Yeah. When Detective Maxwell was given this information, that's when he decided to read Josh's rights. Ah. He couldn't place him under arrest, no. but he did want to interrogate him in more detail. Mm. So a lot of people think that when you get read your rights, it means you're arrested. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. It yeah. means that you are going to be questioned mm. and interrogated. You're not under arrest then, no. but anything that you say, if you get charged with a crime in the future, in mm-hmm. this particular session, mm-hmm. can be used against you. So okay. that's what it's for. Yeah. Um, he did want to interrogate Josh in more detail, so he had to read him his Miranda rights. This spooked Josh, obviously, mm. but Detective Maxwell didn't have a choice because if yeah. he didn't read Josh's rights at this point and then Josh confessed to something, mm-hmm. that confession and subsequent evidence could be thrown out in court because his rights were violated. Yeah. So he has to be mm-hmm. really legally careful He's right here. to just do it. In the end, Josh just fucking left, but not before Detective Maxwell took possession of Josh's phone. He did not want to relinquish control of it, but the weaselly little man didn't have a choice. He did that. So when Maxwell searched the minivan, Mm. it looked totally different than the night before. Maxwell told the Cold Podcast what he found there. This is interesting. The clutter was gone, but weirdly there was a bag of random kitchen trash, like leftover food. But anything, this is the first time he's cleaned anything. Probably. So in this bag, like I said, there was leftover food. It was clearly Mm. from the kitchen. There was like bits of pancake in there. What? The poison pancake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poison pancake. But yeah, that's what that's what the police thought. They tested it. Yeah. And there wasn't anything dodgy in it. But that might not have been Susan's. Because remember, yeah. he did everyone's he... individually, didn't yeah, he? He, he did. plated them up individually. Mm-hmm. That could have been one of the kids' leftover pancakes yeah. that didn't have anything in it. Um, but it's very interesting that instead of putting that bag of leftover food in just the kitchen bin and then taking it out with whatever weekly garbage you've got he decided to separate it put it in his truck and he was clearly driving it somewhere to dispose of it far Mm. away from his house he didn't want it near him now i don't know about you but if someone else leaves leftovers on the plate of something tasty and i know i haven't poisoned it i'll eat that yeah but i mean well this wasn't poisoned yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it would have been fine. For Not me. everyone eats their kids' leftovers. I probably would. Josh clearly didn't though, because he's a <laughs> fucking weirdo. Like it's he's, such a waste of food. He's not a good guy. I know. You can't trust him. <laughs> no, can't. Behind the driver's seat. So mm-hmm. in this car, it's not like a little car. It's like a minivan with like six seats. That kind I of. I think minivan. so. Yeah, yeah, I think so, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Okay. But behind the driver's seat, there's a storage space under the floor. Okay, yeah. And in here, 
Maxwell found another garbage bag. Oh, no. And this one was decidedly more interesting. The bag contained what at first looked like rubbish left over from some kind of building project. But Maxwell looked closer and he emptied it all out. And it was large pieces of broken sheetrock, or what we'd call plasterboard. So like big large pieces of plasterboard, you know, like, but they were broken. Mm. There was like several large pieces of it and the way they were broken, he could see that they were once stacked on top of each other and then smashed. Wow. So if you put the pieces back together, you could see how they were arranged. Oh. The pieces on the top were heavily burned through. So they burned and then it was less burned as it went down. Yeah. In the bottom of the bag, Maxwell found a small, melted, warped, burnt black object. He described it as being about the size of your palm and like a rock. Okay. And it was burned beyond recognition. And there were a couple of wires in there that were also burned. Oh. But like, you couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. So Maxwell sent, she's looking at her fucking empty hand. Like, so Maxwell sent the item to the FBI for testing. Mm -hmm. But because it was so burned, they couldn't say for sure what it was. It was most likely made of, well, not most likely, it was made of steel. Yeah. Which meant that it wasn't going to be a small electric device like a phone or a hard drive. No. Whatever it was, it was placed on top of the plasterboard sheets and yeah. then burned until it melted. And this, could this item be what the torch was purchased for a couple of weeks before Susan's disappearance? Mm. Did he already have a plan to use something yeah. made of steel mm. with electrical wires to do something bad and he needed something that could burn through steel yeah. to then melt this steel object? Yeah. Given that it was hidden in the minivan, Mm. it can only be assumed that Josh wanted to be able to transport it somewhere that he would then be able to dispose of it. Do we ever find out what that object is? No. Okay. What the fuck would it be? Well, do you want me to tell you what Maxwell thinks it might be? Yes, yes. Maxwell thinks it might be some kind of drill. The round thing? Yeah, the thing that got burned. Yeah. It's only round because it's melted and like oh, it's now like, like it's a flop of Oh okay. Yeah, so it it's made of steel, it's yeah. heavy and yeah. it's got wires in it. So it's oh, like So it could have been a drill bit. A drill. The whole thing. Yeah. So it's Oh gosh. It's not the size of your palm, it's the size of a big man <laughs> detective's palm. Yeah, okay. His hand is bigger than ours. Yeah, it's good. Okay, and it's yeah. like a rock. It's okay, like now it can be a drill. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they can never find out what it is because it's been so torched. So mm. Maxwell thinks that it was some kind of drill. Yeah. So he was. So some people think Maxwell thinks yeah. that Josh did something bad with a drill. Yeah, yeah, that makes And then sense. to hide the evidence, he used the torch to melt it. It worked. And it fucking... Yeah, we don't know. More evidence was found inside Mm. the Powell house. But unfortunately, much like the van, Josh had got a chance to clean a lot of it away already. Luminol was used on the suspicious clean spots on the carpet and the sofa. Yes. And the chemical did react with several very small spots on the tiles between the sofa and the front door. These spots were visible with the naked eye, but extremely small. So you mm. could see them, but they were so fucking tiny. You really had to, like... The luminol helped you see them because they mm. were so fucking small. Yeah. And it was it would be very easy to miss. So easy to miss, in fact, that it seems as though Josh did miss them. Oh. 
We're going to put a photo of these blood drops on the Instagram page and Mm -hmm. you'll see what I mean. They are super teeny tiny. The blood was swabbed and later proven that it was Susan's blood. The luminol also reacted on the sofa, but this wasn't droplets or spatter. It was a swipe mark, as though it had been wiped away but not cleaned completely. It was on the back cushion of the sofa, about where a person's head or shoulder would be. Oh, fuck. It was also Susan's. Okay, yeah. The tools in the back of the car, so the Mm -hmm. circular saw, the handsaw and the box cutter, were all tested but found to have nothing on. So That's suspicious. They were very clean. Yeah. The blankets and the clothes that were in the car the night before were in a clean laundry basket. So that's clearly the laundry that Josh had horribly been doing that morning. Detectives took a lot of things out of the powerhouse. They took Mm -hmm. the whole sofa. Yeah. They took a huge piece of the carpet. They took the rug doctor and the bag from the vacuum cleaner, five computers and lots more. Can you imagine if you're innocent and police just cut out a massive chunk of your carpet? I'd be really pissed. And Josh was pissed about this. So like, Josh... (laughs) Spent more time complaining to people Mm -hmm. about the section of carpet that was missing from his (laughs) living room than he ever talked about Susan. That is stupid. He wanted his missing carpet, but he didn't care about his his missing missing wife. wife. Fucking hell. I hate this man so much. No. Uh, No. Maxwell. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I went to where I'm at now. (laughs) I read the wrong bit. (laughs) Gotcha. What Detective Maxwell didn't realise, though, was that the phone Josh handed over earlier didn't have the SIM card in it. Oh. The sneaky little wretch took it out while they weren't fucking looking. Piece of shit. Yeah, so he knew that they were going to ask for his phone. Mm -hmm. So he snuck the SIM card out. The phone was basically a very nice decorative paperweight. It had nothing on it. Everything that mattered was on the SIM card. Yeah. Maxwell was like, whatever. They contacted T-Mobile and requested <laughs> all the information on the activity from Josh's phone because they suspected him of being a filthy murderer. Good. They handed over the records and saw that Josh didn't have any activity on his phone at all from about 12pm on Sunday before Susan went missing to mm. around 3pm on Monday when he answered the call from Alex, Giovanna's teenage son. Yeah. Obviously, when he answered the call, his phone pinged from a tower. <laughs> so when he answered the call from Alex... Yeah. It was a ping. The ping. Which I've been... We love pings. But you have to wait until I get to it. (laughs) Interestingly, this ping is not where he said he was. He told Giovanna that he was south of his home on the Pony Express Trail. Mm. But this tower that Josh pinged at was just a few blocks north of his house. What? Yeah. He was nowhere near where he said he was. That's so creepy. And really close to home. That's so creepy. I hate that, that he's just like right there yeah. probably watching them just bullshitting them on the phone yeah Ugh, but why no, i hate that. dave corley describes that this after he learned from giovanna that the police were at his house know. josh turned around and left the area mm. about 30 minutes later he called his voicemail and listened to his messages then he immediately called susan's phone despite it being hidden inches from him in the car mm. to be like hey where are you? Don't know you're missing yet. Just checking in to look like <laughs> Don't know Hi. you're missing yet. Just checking in. What a... What? I hate him so much. <laughs> Even more interestingly, these mm. calls, these calls that he made, now that he yeah. made going out, uh-huh. pinged off a tower much closer to where he told Giovanna he was. Mm. So Josh knew enough about technology to know how mobile phone pings worked. Mm-hmm. And he clearly made the calls on his phone to his voicemail and to Susan so that the towers would ping where he needed them to. No. 
once he'd driven to the area. Mm-hmm. So he answered the call from Giovanna, yeah. crapped his pants, and then yeah. drove to the Pony Express trail, made some calls, so then he would be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is so embarrassing. So he backtracked to intentionally ping those towers because he was desperate to put himself somewhere, yeah. to give himself an alibi. He also drove to Susan's workplace. So he drove to her workplace yeah. where... Everyone had been saying all day she She's didn't turn up. Yeah. He parked outside. Is there any cameras about? That he parked outside. Yeah, <laughs> and he called her on the phone while he was outside, saying, "Quote, hey, I'm out here, so I'm waiting for you out front." End quote. I'm severely unimpressed. What a fucking loser. I can't deal with how smart he thinks he is. I, that's the, the cringiest part of this. He's he like, thinks I'm going to avoid those pink towels and go to this one. Yeah, so the time smart. It takes you to get there proves to be thinking about it. Also, yeah. in no, none of his interviews with the police so far has he described mm. himself doing any of those things. Yeah, this is all new. Yeah, so he's not said that he did any of that stuff. They mm. only found it from his phone activity. But in describing his day mm-hmm. camping, this was not a part of it. No, that's none of it. The police had a plan. Mm. They got the authorization to leave a GPS tracking unit on the minivan so they would be able to track Josh's movements when they gave the car back to him because so, they thought, he, you know, mm. people, te- when they commit crimes, they tend to go back to the scene. Yeah. So they were like, let's put a tracker on him. Court was like, bam, yes. Can I just ask before this goes any further? There was the one time he gave it into the police and it was looking like shit and it was messy, right? Yeah. And then there was a time it well, got Well, he didn't give it, it to was... the police. He asked, I know Maxwell what I mean. asked, can I look yeah. in it? It got into the police's hands. Yeah. And then there was the other time it came back to the police in some kind of manner and it was really clean. Yeah. Is this GPS being put on between those two times? No. So the GPS. Afterwards? So Detective Maxwell said, can I look in your van? Right. Josh said, I don't want you to look in my van, but yeah, sure. Yeah. So Detective Maxwell did. That's okay. when he found the circular saw, the tarp, all mm-hmm. that really dodgy stuff. Yeah. The next day, right. um, Josh drove to the police station right. in the minivan. Mm-hmm. Detective Maxwell decided that this guy is super guilty. So he went to a judge and got mm-hmm. a warrant yeah. to keep the van. Right. Once he showed Josh the warrant and was like, hey, dude, I'm keeping your van. That's when he looked in it and saw that it was really clean. Mm-hmm. And that's when he found a burnt, mysterious object that totally is not a murder weapon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the leftover pancakes that, for some reason, need to be thrown out separately from everything else. Yeah. Once the car is now in custody here, this is when the police get the authorization to put a GPS tracker on it. Right, so then they're going to give it back. Yes. Okay, cool. And track him, they did. Detectives considered just putting a surveillance on him, but they realised that if they got rumbled and Josh knew what they were up to, their investigation would be blown. And he's been so evasive. Mm -hmm. So Josh has been actually proven to be irritatingly good at being able to evade straight answers and hiding things. Yeah, that's completely He was probably going to be really paranoid about being followed as well, which he actually was. There's lots of instances of him like taking random routes and deviating from places just to see if he's being followed. Wow. Um, I don't blame the guy, because he should be followed. Yeah, I would follow him. Yeah. Um, there was a plan in motion, though. Maxwell had a feeling that Josh would go back to wherever he suspected he had left Susan. Mm-hmm. If a tracker was placed on the van, they would be able to see Josh's movements without a surveillance vehicle being spotted. Mm-hmm. And then they could follow at a distance later on and recover what evidence or potentially a body had been left behind. Mm-hmm. Josh had hung around the police station all day waiting for his car back. 
So he didn't have anywhere to go. He had no phone, no car. So no job, he literally no just no job, no friends. So he well, he did have a job, but yeah, he didn't work amazingly, it. like because he just didn't show up for days after he totally didn't kill his wife, they just fired him. <laughs> he's he's a waste of pay. So yeah, I hate him. Um, so because he had like no friends, no car, he mm. waited around the police station all fucking day because you know he's not looking for his wife. Looking for his what? This is missing. So, so no, he's got nothing else know. to do. So he's gonna wait for his car. Yeah, so he he's waiting for his car that Susan paid for. In a horrid twist of fate, mm. he gave up and headed out to hire a rental car ten minutes before Maxwell returned with the keys. If he had waited just ten more minutes, yeah. Maxwell would have been able to track all of Josh's movements. But as it happened, Josh mm-hmm. was able to get a rental car and effectively disappear for 18 hours. That's really He put 807 miles on the clock and nobody knows where he went or what he did. 10 minutes. <sighs> that's... He got... That's so frustrating. 18 hours and almost 1,000 miles because of 10 minutes. He definitely went back to that train. I fucking hate it. As you said, it's huge. So, so a lot of distance what happened... Like- it's impossible to know for sure Mm -hmm. but we can break it down a little bit and speculate so josh called a taxi to take him from the police station to the airport he headed straight to the rental car office and rented himself a ford focus Mm. he was totally off the grid until about 4 a.m the next morning when ellis manages to get in touch with him this in itself was a hassle because of course the police had josh's mobile phone Mm -hmm. ellis called terry josh's mom who yeah. didn't know where he was. Josh bought himself a new phone and then called Terry on the new phone. Oh. Terry then gave Maxwell Josh's number. Mm-hmm. And we bet Josh was really thrilled with his mom for grassing up like that. Like, <laughs> Maxwell called him yeah. and verbally tore him a new butthole. Wow. It turned out that Josh was in Tremonton, which is only about 80 miles north of where he was last seen. We say only 80 miles, but to <laughs> us 80 miles is quite a long way. But in Utah, That's 80 miles is not that... Big. It's going to be buns, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he had put 807 miles on the clock. And when asked by his sister, Jenny, where the fuck have you been? Mm. Josh said he drove in circles around Salt Lake City. You know what? He probably would do that as well. But I mean, but I so Josh said, this occasion. I drove Still in circles lying. around Salt Lake City for 18 hours. Because he You're was so mad with grief about losing his wife. Oh, it just, it frustrates me because he's... He's acting that he knows she's gone when everyone else is like, well, she's missing. Yeah. And you're innocent, so you don't know anything further than that. Exactly. Why are you behaving differently? Phone records from the new phone show that after he got off the phone with Maxwell, Mm -hmm. and this is like after he'd already been missing for 18 hours. Right. So he went missing for 18 hours, Mm -hmm. bought a new phone, and then we can track him after that. Right. Okay. So after he got off the phone with Maxwell... Mm -hmm. He drove past Susan's workplace and then his own. I don't like that. He then went home and talked with gross Steve on the phone for an hour. No, no, not him. Oh, fuck, I forgot about him. <laughs> oh, Why did I forget about oh, him? Oh, you can't How forget, did about, I forget about Steve. Him? He is such a I huge part of this story. I don't want him and his awful singing. So once Maxwell handed Josh's keys back to him... Mm. Then he saw the rental car. So Maxwell didn't know that Josh went out to rent a car. He just knew that he left 10 minutes ago. Josh didn't say where he was going. He then went off the grid for 18 hours. He got his new phone number from from his mom. Yeah. 
So we called him and he's like, where the fuck have you been yeah. for 18 hours? What the fuck's going on? So Josh is like, oh, whatever, I'll come down to the station to get my car back. Oh, so then Josh came to the station to pick up his keys and Maxwell saw Josh in the rental car and mm. was like, this guy's got a fucking rental car. I want driving. to know. Yeah, he's like, this I guy's been imagine. gone for 18 hours and he's got yeah. a rental car and I put a tracker mm-hmm. on his fucking car and yeah. he's fucked off. And done all the stuff that I wanted to track in this rental car. Because Maxwell will be like hellbent on getting a timeline like minute by minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now he's lost like, so is, many hours with yeah. this guy. Maxwell immediately made to... a note of the registration number mm. and followed up with Hertz to find out where it had come from. So he Ooh. had the registration number. He got in touch with Hertz and was like, which rental office has this car? He found out that it was from the airport. So he mm. went straight to the airport yeah. and he got to the office and it had been leased out to someone else. I had a shocked face. Yeah, she just had a moment. <laughs> you know, he was like a, a phone call in anger, and you can feel yourself almost squishing your phone. Yeah, I imagine Maxwell to be like this. Yeah, he was I, like going I through phones. That. Like, fuck. He was able to see the paperwork though, and he saw the colossal distance of eight hundred and seven miles. It's good that he knows that. Yeah. At least. So Maxwell worked out the radius he could have travelled in any direction was about four hundred miles. Yeah. He could have travelled 400 miles in any direction and back again. Mm. So, right. Let's put this into perspective a little bit. I did some maths. Definitely. We're from England, yep. which in comparison to the United States is rather small. It's tiny. To give you, Sophie, yes. a bit of context for exactly how big 400 miles is. Mm-hmm. The route to drive yeah. from the border between Scotland and England, okay. so right at the very top of yeah. the country where okay. Scotland meets England, yeah. down to Brighton which is on the very south coast, the route to drive that on yeah. a road is 391 miles. Wow. And that's, that's not a straight shot. That's no. routes, so it's all zigzaggy. Yeah. The radius being more than that length means that it's, all that land they yeah. have as a potential search, all the land that's between... The circle. That's the search point. area in yeah. any direction. That means that a search area, that that search area... Yeah. Is more than half a million square miles. That's Sophie. That search area yeah. is about five times the whole square footage of the yeah. whole of England. It's funny. as a detective, that is just that's what you've got. Frustrating. That's a like, lot of space to cover. Yeah, a lot of ground. It's huge. I cannot even it's imagine huge. the vastness and the Good magnitude enough. of what they were facing. And you said there's a lot of wilderness here and like yeah. land, like yeah. empty land. Yeah. So mountains. Yeah. It's difficult to find stuff yeah. in mountains, especially because people. Josh only got his new phone when he was almost back home as mm. well. They didn't know which direction he came from. Yeah. Skipping ahead a few days, seventeenth of December. Okay. Police executed more search warrants on the home and the workplaces of both Josh and Susan. Mm. Another thing that I want to note, and I might bring this up again later, okay. is that during this 18-hour window in which Josh was missing and nobody knows where he was, mm-hmm. his gross dad's phone was also switched off. The whole time. Oh, that's not coordinated at all. Nobody knows where he was either, and there's a lot of ideas about the two of them being together. I assume someone asked him, but did anyone ask him? Do you know? Yes, I think so. But I'm going to get more into that later. I wondered... Oh, okay. <laughs> so, based of what Susan's friends told her mm-hmm. about Susan's secret paperwork. Do you remember she wrote stuff yeah. down at work and, and put it in her drawer? Safety box as well. Yeah, combined with the diaries found in Susan's desk drawer, they were able to get a warrant for the Wells Fargo branch where Susan banked. 
they were able to get into her safety deposit box and they found the last will and testament document that we discussed in the previous episode, mm. yeah. along with the video that she made documenting that assets burned onto a DVD. Mm-hmm. When searching the home, detectives found even more computers that didn't get seized the first time around. So they took ah. five computers out of the home, but Josh had more that he hid and somewhere. still more, yeah. But like, how many computers do you fucking need? They took the torch that Maxwell suspects melted some kind of steel object and found a very full medicine cabinet. Oh, wow. Remember we mentioned that Josh had been committing insurance fraud mm-hmm. by getting himself rear-ended? Yeah. Well, Dave Corley of the Cold Podcast, my uh, new fucking hero, yes. found out that Josh had been getting rear-ended and pretending to be injured to get insurance money paid out to him. Right. But the money was just one part of it. Oh. Corley found out from Maxwell that there were prescription painkillers in the house that Josh had been given after he was most recently injured okay. three months before Susan vanished. Oh, hold on a second. You oh, see, do you see where I'm going? I think I've connected some dots and I don't like... Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So there weren't yeah. enough missing for a fatal overdose to have been likely. But it's definitely possible that if you take more medication than you're supposed to, yeah. you can feel unwell. Mm. And all of Susan's friends have reported that in the weeks before she disappeared, she was feeling nauseous. Even if you give someone half a tablet, depending on the dose of the tablet, it can be enough to make them uncomfortable. Yeah, so some people think that Josh was trying to poison his wife, Mm. but wasn't very good at it. And she just ended up feeling sick. Yeah, she was just suffering. And that he was, yeah... um, and then on the night that she vanished, he maybe put a bigger dosage mm. to, like, knock her out. So whatever he was going to do with the the thing that melted, yeah. she wouldn't struggle. This whole thing is horrible. I mean, it's there's horrible. not a it's lot clearly... of blood. There's not a lot of blood. I'm just going to hypothesize a little bit. Okay. It's awful. And please skip ahead if you don't want to hear a really horrible theory I have. quite graphic? It's a horrible idea, and I hate it. Okay. But I think it's likely, and I hate it. Yeah. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear something terrible. Um, I think that what's quite likely Mm -hmm. is, say, Susan had the pancakes. Yeah. She felt really drowsy because Josh put painkiller sedative in it. Mm Mm-hmm. She maybe had a nap on the sofa mm-hmm. while she was laying down. Josh took a drill in her head to the temple. Mm-hmm. That would have, if she's sedated, yeah, and sleepy, yeah, mm-hmm. that's just like into your temple. That's just going to go straight through. It's it's immediate, and there's not going to be that's a really fragile part of your skull. It's a really fragile part of your skull. You I think die. Josh would have known that. I think so. And I think he had a lot of tools, a lot of gadgets, a Mm. lot of things that he liked to sort of, like, mess around with. Yeah. I think that's... I think he would have thought of that. And I think as well, even a rug doctor, I don't think is going to be able to clean up, like, arterial spray from, say, like, a throat-cutting wound or something. Yeah. And there wasn't that much blood. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that there would have been... Head wounds bleed a lot, but that's when, say, if you have, like, a laceration or an incision into your scalp, you have a lot of blood because there's a lot of blood circulating around the brain. Mm -hmm. But a small 
a small puncture like a hole i don't know if that would i don't think that would necessarily gush out blood over a a wide area Mm. and i think that would account for the swiping being seen on the sofa where your head would be yeah and as well the little spots on the floor Mm -hmm. there would have been little spots um and yeah then i think he would have just been able to tell the kids, oh, she's sleeping. Yeah. He would because have put her in messy, the... Yeah, maybe. it's not massively messy. It would have been like a little hole. Because sometimes even with her hair, maybe. Yeah, with her hair. Even sometimes as well, it wouldn't have been loud. It wouldn't yeah. have been like... Because he didn't have guns don't. in the house. It would... It, no. he d- she definitely hasn't been shot. Because mm-hmm. um, he didn't have a gun and there was no sound, whatever. Even sometimes if people get shot in the in the head, if there's not an exit wound, sometimes it takes a while for the entry wound to even be found. Yeah. So with a drill, to... it would have. Yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah. It's like the size of your pinky, maybe. Exactly. Um, and yeah, then I think he took them out. He wrapped her in the quilt mm. from the bed mm. because she's sleeping. Yeah. Taking them all out camping, but mommy's sleeping, so she's gonna lie down in the back of the truck where the top is mm-hmm. because she's sleeping. Yeah. Um. Then I think he drove out to a spot that he'd previously been on a camping trip with them. Mm-hmm. And left her there. Do you reckon when he set the speculated drill, if that's what he used, mm. and like set it alight and whatever, do you think they used that fire to make smalls with in that blizzard? No, I don't. Because I don't think it would have been fiery enough. It just would have been melting it. Yeah, so. I don't think there was any real. No, we going saw. On. I think there was enough. To keep the boys occupied. They definitely yeah. made s'mores because Charlie wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> so they did that because he yeah. was very certain that they made s'mores. Yeah, I do think So they... I think they did. I don't think yeah. the the fire... I can't... I mean, he's a terrible human being. He is. And he's, he's put his... The terrible things that he's put his children through, maybe he did make a fire on the drill that he used to kill their mother mm-hmm. and they made s'mores over it. But... To, I think to, it would have been two different ones. It's Yeah, I think he made a separate fire for the s'mores and did the camping thing with his kids. And maybe mm-hmm. when they were asleep in the car, he got out the sheets of plasterboard, mm-hmm. put the drill on it. Yeah. Because to burn it, it wouldn't have been like a fire. Yeah. It will have been... Like the torch he's got, it's like a blowtorch, like a really powerful one. So yeah. he would have just put the torch on it and it would have just slowly slowly melted yeah how long would he into have a to glob? stay there with probably that, quite a while yeah and then Especially after it the was done weather. he smashed the plasterboard yeah he got the melted glob of tool mm-hmm. and then he had it in his van hidden and then he was going to dispose of it but mm-hmm. then the police got the van yeah that's what I think, and it's horrible, but that's what I believe happened. I, I really think on the same line, I did want to say, you know, she probably had a drill in her head, but I thought, is that too much to say? Is that too gross? But that's it's, honestly what I think. Yeah. Um, I think when he got the rental car, mm-hmm. I think he maybe went out and, like, moved her body and hid it more to make sure that it was perfect. Yeah. Because, yeah, when he was doing it with the kids, it was obviously nighttime. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't really have been able to see. I don't think he was expecting them to be immediately missed. But he didn't realise, because he never paid any attention, how much people loved Susan. He took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> he seriously underestimated that and it's bit him on the ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was going to get back and then go straight back out. 
mm-hmm. neaten things up, tidy it up, hide her completely, maybe move her. Yeah. But he was planning to just completely. Yeah, carry but on with his he life. was. But she was missed. Yeah. Immediately. And that wasn't just going to go away. No. Um, yeah, and then I think with the rental car, he went back out in the daytime to mm. maybe move her if he didn't like the spot, maybe tidy up, dispose of all kinds of other things mm. over those 18 hours. Do we know from the time that when the rental car was given back to the rental place and it was given to another customer, if it had been cleaned? I think... And who'd clean Usually it. the rental car companies will clean a car in between, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I have to assume that there wasn't anything in it. It would be interesting if there was like any sand in the tyres or anything. I don't know. Because that would give something away. Because then you could compare dirt molecules yeah. and whatever. I don't, don't know. I'm going to get back to the script. I know that we've been yeah, hypothesising sure. <laughs> for a while, but I do. There is, yeah. there is another thing I want to talk about. Oh, come on. Um, so Corley also found out that Josh had been given treatment for an injured rotator cuff. Your rotator cuff is part of your shoulder. Yeah. So around the same time that the police were investigating his prescriptions, um, so around the time when the police were searching his house with the warrant, so this Mm -hmm. is like 10 days after Susan's missing, right? That's a long night. He goes to a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, because he's obviously his biggest problem right now is his carpet and his shoulder, not his wife. So he goes to the chiropractor mm-hmm. 10 days after his wife's missing. And he's like, hey, um, I've hurt my shoulder from <laughs> from that little prank in September. My shoulder's really hurting me from that car accident oh, still. Wow. So the chiropractor looks around and is like, you seem as though you have partially torn your rotator cuff. This is not an injury that can be done in such a minor belly there bump from a car. Yeah. The more likely cause for a torn rotator cuff is a strain from overexerting yourself. Yeah. He does not do a lot of physical activity. No. He does not. He's and carrying one. something large and heavy could injure a joint. It's not proven. No. But we're just saying. And Dave Colley might be onto something with this one. Oh. On the same day that Josh visited his physical therapist to complain about the shoulder injury he got while most likely moving his wife's body, he also went to her workplace to demand that her retirement money be paid into his bank account. She might not be around anymore, but she can still pay for all of his crap. What? No, that's not okay. While detectives were searching through Susan's notes, diaries, and emails written that Mm -hmm. she kept in her desk drawer, safety deposit box, and emails to her colleagues, respectively, they discovered something else of interest. Gross Steve's name kept popping up. Oh, no. And Susan's friends have mentioned that Josh's dad was creepy, inappropriate, and made Susan feel uncomfortable. Yeah, massively. The next part of the investigation was going to take them to Puyallup, Washington. And Ooh. we are going to go there in the yeah. next episode. What? Because I was wrong. This is <laughs> not a two-parter. No? This is a three-parter. I'm, I'm glad. I'm sorry I'm making you wait. I'm you sorry are. I'm making you wait. How dare you? There is just so much information here that I can't... I don't want to cut bits out and then mm. squish it into two parts. Yeah. I don't want to miss anything out. I want to no. give you as much as I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair I, I welcome that because I was trying to get this I was trying to fit this into two episodes but by yeah. the time I got to this point mm-hmm. I realised like this is like an hour and a half of material yeah and I was I'm not even <laughs> there is still so much like yeah 
I can't do it in two episodes. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if this ends up being like five. But it, I'm gonna try and keep it at three. I'm gonna try and mm-hmm. put everything else into the last episode. Okay. So it's a finale episode. Yeah. So this is a trilogy. We've got a three part. I'm really sorry. We I'm gonna make you parts. wait. It's fine. Oh God. It's just more information and facts and whatever to learn. I hope you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. Okay. I love good. It. Sorry, I'm making you wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, the credits are going to be in the episode description and a big, huge amount of respect to Dave Corley for his amazing investigative work into this case. Absolutely. Because there's so many little details that we wouldn't know about if it wasn't for his hard work. Mm -hmm. There's so many things. It's incredible. That we know thanks to him. Yeah. So, amazing. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) So that is, again, this chapter is closed. Wow. And we're going to carry on next week. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we're gonna hear about gross steve you're gonna hear about gross steve i've already started writing the script yeah for next week um so yeah we'll record hopefully soon and get it out for next sunday but until then thank you for listening yes Um, thank you very much i've seen on apple Podcasts and on spotify that we've got some ratings which is really nice. Oh, we've got so some, we've got some five stars on Spotify. We've oh. got a couple of five stars wow. on Apple Podcast. Someone really nice gave us four stars and gave us some feedback about the audio. Which yes, we, we are that. trying to. <laughs> the first few episodes we hadn't really got the hang of the audio, but we've been trying to fix it. Yeah. So I hope that these do let us know if this one is. Yeah, I hope I hope it's getting better. And we are actually mm-hmm. we're on a trip and we're in a hotel. We're on a birthday trip. We're on. It's my birthday in a few days. Um, by the time actually this gets uploaded, mm. it'll be my birthday tomorrow because my yeah. birthday's on Monday. Um, so Sophie's been really nice in taking me. She's taken me to Chester, and we're having a nice little weekend together. Old timey city, like actually old timey, not yeah. just a century ago old. Yeah, yeah. Like so Chester is ago. there's like Roman ruins from like a thousand years ago, and it's really cool. It's incredible. Um, Go there. So yeah, we're here, mm-hmm. and we're recording this because we didn't want to wait. I and... said to Charlie, like I didn't tell her why she was going, but yeah. I was like, pack one brag bag bring your recording equipment and we're gonna go somewhere for the weekend yeah yeah so i didn't know where we were going i just packed up my recording stuff packed up the mic yeah i didn't give Um, you it turns out the audio in this room is actually really nice it might even be better than it than in my house it's just another reason to come out for a trip again exactly um these like next week so do that (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah thank you for listening and i've had a lot of fun i've had a lot of fun but yeah if if you do like the episode, if mm. you could leave us a little, you don't even have to like type anything. No. If you could just leave us like a just little, tap on the just fifth just press star. on the fifth star. <laughs> we like that star because that's our favorite one. You and so nicely, and it would be very nice, and we'd like it very much. Mm. Um, but thank you, and mm. we'll be back next week with the. I promise it will be the finale <laughs> of this story um, because it's it's so awful. And Susan deserves for everyone to know she does. about what an amazing person she was. Mm-hmm. And gross Steve and disgusting Josh also deserve for the world to know how terrible they are. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with yeah. that. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.